0: Just had this all in for Jesus is what the Holy Spirit was ministering to me. And you know, we hear terms like this, all in, all in, but what does it really mean to be all in for Jesus? You see, we can continue our lives just humdrum, just going through our lives, or we can make a decision that we want to go all in. And, and there's some great things that we're gonna we're gonna realize this morning when we decide to go. All in for Jesus. All in for Jesus. It's just just like Connie was talking about this morning. Let me tell you something, folks. If you're if you're worried about the coronavirus, uh, you need to worry about the flu because it's more contagious and more dangerous than the coronavirus is. The thing is, is, is the news media wants to get us concerned and worried and, and upset. And and politicians, especially out there, it's a it's a political season, right? Uh, everybody. Everybody, uh, all, all the, the politicians are trying to get their, you know, get people to vote for them, and we have presidential, uh, a presidential election this year. Let me tell you something. We need, to, we need to vote, and we need to be concerned about the things that are going on in our world, but the number one thing is we need to realize that Jesus is in complete and total control. Jesus is in complete and total control of what's going on. And and we can we can be worried, we can be concerned, or we can just say, you know what, I'm going to let God have that. You know, you'll know something. You ain't going to die until Jesus says it's time, till the Lord says it's time. The Bible says that He's the one who numbers your days; nobody else does. Okay, so I want us to take precaution in everything that we do, right? I want us to be prepared for anything and everything. But let us put our faith and our trust in Jesus, the Author and the Finisher of our faith, the Author and Finisher of our lives, the one that we trust in. So what does that mean, being all in for Jesus? What does that mean to us today? And I'm gonna just try to go through these as quickly as possible. But number one, number one means you must be willing. You must be willing. Jesus doesn't force you to do anything. Now, i tell you right now, I believe that there are some people that the Lord has predestined to do some amazing things. I don't believe in predestination, don't get me wrong. I'm not a Calvinist. I believe there's, the Lord has predestined certain people to do certain things, and you could see that through the Bible. John the Baptist was one of those kind of people. He was predestined to be the prophet that held and that, that spoke about the Savior before he came, right before he came. I think there's other people. You know, I tell Christy all the time, I was like, Listen, I couldn't t- take any other road than the one we've taken. I couldn't do anything else than what we've done. I, I believe the Lord has set me apart when I was young and set Christy apart when she was young for the ministry of pastoring. I believe that. It, we were already set apart. It, now, we could fight it, and it'll just make you sick. You know, there are things that God wants you to do. You fight against it, it makes you sick because you fight against it. And, and this is one of the things with us, you know, I was like, we could fight against it. All in for Jesus, that's what I want to be. Have I been, always been all in for Jesus? Oh, I may have looked like it, but looking like it doesn't mean I am. We can look like it. We can carry our Bible around with us to work, and, and we can quote Scripture all day long, but that doesn't mean that we're all in for Jesus. We can we can say our nightly prayers, and, and we can pray over our food, and we can do all these things, but what does it mean to be, be all in for Jesus? So, number one, you must be willing, and let's start in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. I want you to hear this story. Acts chapter 1, verse 4 starts out, we're going to jump over some verses because I don't want to read the whole thing. Once, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. Now, he was talking to his disciples, okay? Well, there were more than just 12. There was his 12, the 12 apostles, okay? But this was not just to the 12 apostles. Don't mistake in that, even though he was eating with them at that time. Then verses 12 through 13, this is after Jesus had ascended. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives, a distance of about a half a mile. And when they arrived, they went to the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Now, let's just skip over those names because there's a lot more people than that that were there. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood up and addressed them. 120 people got together, and they waited. They were willing. Listen, Jesus had just ascended into heaven. They just watched him ascend into heaven. Remember what the two angels that were standing there said? Men of Galilee, why are you staring into the sky? This man, Jesus, that has just left, this Savior, your Messiah who has just left, he's going to return in like manner one day. He said, go ahead and go about your business. Now, when Jesus commanded them to go into Jerusalem and to tarry, they had to be willing to do that. These 120 people had to be willing to tarry. You know, a lot of times a lot of times, preachers will, at the first of the year, a lot of churches, oh, we're doing a 21-day fast. You know, a 21-day fast is only good enough if you're willing to receive from God during that time. We could all go on a fast, okay? You don't have to be a Christian to fast. As a matter of fact, a lot of people do it for health reasons because it's very healthy for you to fast at certain times. I'm not I'm not good at fasting. It's hard for me. But it's good for you to do it at certain times. But when you go into that fast or when the preacher calls you to prayer, you've got to be willing to do it. It, it isn't about, "Oh, I did it." I sat down and I had a book opened up and I went over all the prayer things and I did it three times so I could get through 15 minutes of prayer. Sometimes that's the way we are. See that that That's not willingness. That's doing it out of obligation. That's doing it out of obligation. And we have to be willing. If we want to be all in for Jesus, just like these 120, they were willing. And then verses 1 through 4 of chapter 2 says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. So this has been about 10 days. All of them have been meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. When God wants to do something in your life and you want to be all in for Jesus, you've got to be willing. I have people say all the time, well, how do you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, number one, you've got to be willing to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of times, we'll come down for prayer to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but we're not willing to let the Holy Spirit take over us. Because we're like, no, 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 I I need some control. I need a little bit of control. See, I'm a control guy. I like control. I like to drive. You know, when I'm out there, I, I like to be the one driving. You know, I like control. When we play Xbox at the house of the kids, they know dad's in control when he's on this Xbox. We may be four of us on here, but he's in control. I like control. I tell people all the time, probably, you know, it's, it's great that I'm a Christian. I don't drink. I don't drink any alcoholic beverages, right? But I say, I don't want to do it anyway. I would never want to be drunk. Why? Because I like to be in control. And when you're drunk, you're out of control. You don't have control anymore. It's the spirits. It's those alcoholic spirits that are in control. And I don't want to be out of control. But I praise God that at a young age that I released and was willing to let God have control. And sometimes I still have a problem with letting God have control, but I have to be willing. I have to say, you know, God, okay, I'm willing, God. I'm willing willing to preach that. I'm willing to sing that. I'm willing to step down when somebody else needs to step up. I'm willing to let go when somebody else needs to grab a hold, okay? There's a lot of things that we look at, but, God, I want to be, Jesus, I want to be all in for you. So I'm willing. Are you willing this morning? The second thing is you have to let go willingness, I'm willing to do it, but am I going to do it? I'm willing to do it, but am I going to do it? Let's look at this, Mark chapter 10, verse 17. Look at this. Jesus was starting on his way to Jerusalem. A man came running up to him and knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This guy was willing to go talk to the Lord. He was willing to talk to God. He was willing to talk to the master. But look at verses 21 through 22. He says, jumping through there, looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He says, there is still one thing you have not done. He says, I've done everything. I've kept all the commandments. One thing you have not done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And at this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. This is not saying that you can't have good stuff. What this is saying is this man was not willing to let go of what he had. He had to let go of what he had. See, we look at this and we go, oh, but, but I've worked so hard for it. And the Lord says, well, let go. Let go. There may be relationships in your life. Lord, I've worked so hard for this relationship. I've worked so hard for this friendship. And that friendship is dragging you down. That best friend of yours is dragging you down. And that person that you work with is dragging you down. And you're like, well, we're friends. But he's, maybe he's saying, if you want to be all in, you've got to let go. You've got to let go of that friendship. Because it's dragging you down. Let me tell you something. Friends don't drag you down. Friends lift you up. Friends don't speak negative things into your life. They speak positive things in your life, okay? This is just on the side note, okay? This is free. Friends are there for you when nobody else is there for you. And if, you're free, if you've got a friend that's dragging you down, if you've got a friend who's, who's speaking negative things into your life, you just need to say, you know what? Enough. Enough. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm a child of God and I worship the Lord. I'm all in for Jesus, and when I'm all in for Jesus, the people who are friends of mine are all in for Jesus too, and that means they want to edify me. They want to lift me up. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us to do. That's the love that we have. It's patient. It's kind. It's, it, 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 it is there not to boast. It's not to envy. It's not to prop its own self up. It's there for you. Just remember that. When we're all in for Jesus, though, we have to let go of some of these things and I don't know what it is in your life that you may have to let go. It may just be pride in your life that you have to let go. It may be something else in your life that you have to let go. But you just got to say, God, I'm letting this go. And if you have a hard time, just let harmony sing to you. Let it go. Let it go. Right, harmony? She'll sing it for you. Continuing on with let it go. March 10, verses 28 through 30. See, when we say we're going to let it go, here's, what, here's our response. Peter began to speak up. He says, Lord, we've given up everything to follow you. You ever feel that way? Oh, God, I've given up everything. I've let it all go to follow you. And Jesus replied, he says, yes, I, I know this. But I assure you that everyone who has given up house, brothers, sisters, mother, father, children, property, any of this, for my sake, and for the gospel, the good news, they will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. So he says, you've given all this stuff up and you've been persecuted. I get it. We are not living our life here. We should not be living our life here for ourselves and for our own personal gain we should be living our life for what we are storing up in heaven because he says if you give up anything for the gospel and for my name, I will make sure and return it to you when you get to heaven. But I won't just return it to you. I'll give it to you a 100 times. I'll make it even that much better. See, in the human side of us, we go, oh, it's so hard. I just don't know if I can let go. I want to be all in for Jesus. I'm willing to listen to him but I just don't know if I can let go. We have to say, yes, I will let go. Number three, third thing we've got to do. We talked about the first two things, willingness and letting go. The third thing is we have to desire what he desires. There's a lot of people out there who say, I'm willing to, I'm willing to, to live for Jesus. I'm willing to talk to Jesus. There's a lot of people out there that says, Oh, I let it go. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of people out there living poor. Oh, I love Jesus, I'm living poor. That doesn't that doesn't fix it. You have to desire what he desires. What have I told you before? You're a millionaire, you're a billionaire. Praise God. Because we need a few of those in the church. God, God needs God needs your money. Well, God needs your heart and He uses your money. Let me rephrase that. God needs your heart, and he uses your money. He doesn't need your money. He, he's got everything that he needs already. But he, he uses that for you. So it's not about that. So desire what he desires. What does that mean? Maybe you do have a lot of money. Maybe you are rich. Maybe you, you do have resources or other things. Maybe you do have talents, but you have to desire what he desires, not what you desire. Well, I'll do this because this is what I love to do. But is that what God wants you to do? Is that the direction he's taking you? Look at Nehemiah chapter one, verse two through four. Hanani, one of my brothers came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in a great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Now, Nehemiah here, Nehemiah was, he was the cupbearer to the king. He had everything, good drinks, good food, a great place to live, a great place to stay, the king, if you're the cupbearer of the king, the king trusts that you're not going to give him something that's poisonous, right? That's your job, to make sure the king doesn't drink something that's poisonous. He was well looked after. He wasn't crying because the walls of Jerusalem were torn down. He wasn't crying just because of that. He was, he was crying. He was in anguish, and he was in tears for days because this was God's city. It's because God's city's walls had been torn down. It's because, it's because there was not a place for people to go worship at the temple. What, what was a temple back then? That was a place that God dwelt, that the Spirit of God dwelt. That's the place where sins were forgiven, where people went to, to have their sins forgiven. It was a holy place, He cried out to God because he had the heart of God and the desire of God that this would be rebuilt. And if you know the story of Nehemiah, if you don't read it, it's a great story. Open your Bible up and read it. Jump over all of where it says this person did this and this person did that. Just go and read. It's an amazing story about what God did and how God used Nehemiah. Somebody who didn't have to do anything. But his desire was the same as god's desire. he wanted to do what God wanted. He wanted to make God happy and love love the Lord. so we've got three there, right we've got number one, we have to be willing. Number two, we have to let go and number three, we have to desire what he desires. Number four is so important. you can't go solo if you want to be all in for Jesus, you can't go solo. I hear this all the time. Well, I'll just sit at home and watch the TV. I'll watch preacher, preacher so-and-so on TV, and, and I'm good to go. I'll sit and listen to my music, and I'm good to go. I'll just do a little worshiping and prayer, praise by myself. Oh, that's what I'm going to do. And In my life, I'll live my life, and I'll go, and I'll minister to people, but I don't, I don't need anybody else with me. Now, isn't this interesting? Look at this. Mark 6, verse 7. Look at what he says here he called the 12 disciples, the ones that had been hanging out with him, together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Notice he sent them out two by two. You need more than just yourself when you're in ministry. When you're all in for Jesus, you need more than just yourself. You need other people. Now, some of us, the spouse is one of those people, but there's more than that because in different avenues of ministry, you have different people. And if you look at the life of Paul, he didn't always have the same person with him every time he went somewhere. Peter was the same way. He didn't always have the same person with him. At one point, Paul and Barnabas were traveling together. Another point, it's Paul and Timothy. There was numerous times that there was other people in Paul's life. You can't go solo. That's one of the great things about church. It's one of the great things about women's ministries is it's a place to build strong Christian relationships with other people so you don't have to go solo when you're all in for Jesus. That's what it's for. Ask Connie. Connie's had to go and pray for people on her own on a prayer walk before, but you want to know something? Sometimes when we're not able to make it, she'll call Christy and say, Hey, could just one of the girls come? I know that you're busy and I know that Adam's busy, but could one of the girls come with me? Why? Because it makes a difference having that second person. You know, the Bible says one can put a thousand a flight and two can put 10,000 a flight. The Bible says that a cord of one strand is easily broken, but a cord of three strands is not as easily broken. We can't do it solo. When we're all in for Jesus, that means we do it together. When you're out there, if, you're, if you were in the military, a person in the military, they have somebody beside them helping them. They have somebody that's there. They don't do it on their own. They don't want they, they to do it on their own. They're heroes, but they want to do it together, and they want to come back together. And it's the same way with us. When we're all in for Jesus, we want to do it together, and we want to come back together. We want to see God do amazing things, amazing things. And so this morning, I just challenge you, if you want to be all in for Jesus, you need to be willing, because he's willing. Doesn't matter what we've done, doesn't matter where we go, you know, 70 times seven, he says. The scripture says we are forgiven, 70 times seven is how we're supposed to forgive. And in that context, I don't want to preach another message, but in that context, that's for one thing. We're forgiven for one thing that many times not just that many times, just one thing. So it doesn't matter what we've done. So we have to be willing. Say, oh, well, I just don't know that that God cares. Like Christy was saying, no, he cares. He loves you. There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. He willingly died on the cross for us. He he said, I don't want that any should perish. Let go of whatever it is that's keeping you from, from doing what God has called you to do and for being all in for Jesus. Let go of it. Begin to pray and say, God, what is your desire? What what is your desire? Because I want to desire what you desire, God. That's what I want to do. I want to desire. And then begin to attach yourself to other Christians, especially at Unlimited Church. Begin to attach yourself to those Christians. Don't go at it solo. Go at it together. Let's do it together. Okay, let's pray. Can we pray? Lord, we just want to give you glory and honor. Thank you for being such an amazing God and for what you've done in our lives this morning already. Lord, I want to be all in for you. Every day, every minute, every hour, every second, I want to be all in for you, Lord. So God, help me. Help me to let go of my, my things, that get in the, the things that get in the way of doing what you want to do. Let me desire, Lord, what you desire. Let me desire what you desire, God. Let me desire that, Lord Jesus.